Welcome back to the Starbase Indie Podcast, where we talk to and about people who are inspired by Star Trek or science fiction to work towards hopeful futures in the real world. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Gavin Smith. I am the artist for Star Trek The Mirror War, published by IDW. I am from Indianapolis, Indiana, local artist. How did you first get into drawing comic books? It's something I've been doing for a long time. As a kid, it was all I did. Uh, I would just draw. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I would just, yeah, you know, I, I would be just drawing, you know, stuff that I was a fan of or being into Turtles or Simpsons or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, you know, I drew a lot through high school and then kind of quit after I didn't draw that much after high school. I was very into, uh, uh, I was in a couple of bands and I would, you know, tour with them and hang out with them, play shows and stuff. And then I thought I just stopped drawing. Uh, then after a while, I just kind of picked it up again. Like once I was drawing more frequently, I uh, was buying comics again and I saw the Joe Kubert school and still existed. It was an ad and comics that I'd see all the time uh, growing up in books. And uh, once I realized it was still there, I started making my plans, started building a portfolio to go uh, move out to Dover, New Jersey and uh, attend that school. So that's what I did. I put, put a portfolio together, uh, got accepted, moved out to New Jersey for three years and graduated in 2011. And ever since then, I've uh, moved back here I just started making books full time. That's that's fantastic. The first book I uh, from an assignment I started in Joe Kubert's class. And Joe Kubert was a legendary comic artist. Yes, I know about him. He's pretty much responsible for uh, almost a lot of the war comics that DC was putting out, and uh, did a lot of Hunk Hawkman, did basically every character over at DC. Um, and uh, we put together a school in the 70s and it still exists. Uh, anyway, Joe was still alive when I was there. And he, our first assignment was to create our own thing because, you know, one of the first things he said was not all of us are going to get jobs in Marvel in DC. So we needed to come up with a backup plan. So I uh, put together a cover in five pages of a project I called Human City. And uh, from there, uh, after I graduated, I came home, finished it, and self-published it. And then that started getting me regular comic work. Did you write the tech, the the story for Human City as well as draw it? I did, yeah. I wrote it, I drew it, colored it, lettered it, used my last $300 to my name at the time to self-publish it and uh, put it out. There's a small section of it that was co-written by a friend of mine from school, Orion Zangara. But I, I did the majority of the writing for the book. So the, the comic book process involves mm -hmm. all those different stages that you just talked about. So yeah. you did all of them. You've done all of them, obviously, for your own yeah. work. Yes. Which part do you enjoy the most? At heart, I'm a penciler and inker, you know, so, so that's usually the stuff I like to do. And that, that's what I did for all of Star Trek. Um, I do like coloring here and there. Um, uh, I like coloring when it's my own personal work. Uh, so I've done that uh, a handful of times, especially over the last couple of years. But for I'd say the majority of my career, I've been uh, pencil and inker. 
Um, and that started when I, like my first full-time comics job was this book called Accelerators. And I did 20 issues of that as just the pencil or anchor. Um, and yeah, every, every major gig I've had, I tried to, uh, I was like, well, I, it is, if it, if it's a job nowadays, uh, if I get it, I have to pencil and ink myself. I don't want anybody else looking at So talk me through the process, all of the, what did, what goes into creating a comic book? It's a lot. So it, it starts off with a script. Usually I'll, I'll get a script from uh, my writers and, and in the case of Star Trek, it was Scott and David Tipton who are uh, very well known uh, in the Star Trek world, uh, especially in the comic side of things. Um, but they, they, uh, they, they, they produce a script, uh, usually about 20 pages, 20 or so. Um, and uh, it's broken down in panel form. So they have the set amount of things they want and uh, usually they tell me the beats and sometimes I can do the beats exactly or I can interpret what they've written and sort of uh, create the story telling my own and that's probably the most important thing is like whether or not it's a good drawing or not if the storytelling is not there the, then the whole product fails um, mm-hmm. so so my main goal is to try to tell the story that they're trying to tell um, so I I do that and I uh, usually have about a week from IDW to do rough, roughs of the whole issue. So I'll put together uh, just quick uh, thumbnails of the pages, take a week, just try to get all my storytelling down. And then uh, from there, I have about six weeks to finish the issue, maybe about five and a half, really. Um, and uh, so then I, I go through and I pencil the whole issue out, uh, try to get it as tight as possible, dummy proof as possible, because with uh, Trek, we have to go back and forth with, uh, I, well, obviously I have to go back and forth with my editor, uh, Heather Antos, who's fantastic, but um, she also has to run it by CBS. And so CBS condenses all those notes, or they, they, they've got like a panel of people that, that review everything Trek that comes in. So they send it to CBS people, CBS goes over it. They send all their notes to Heather. Heather compiles all of her notes and CBS's notes into one nice little email that's easy to work from. So uh, I can go back through and I can correct my mistakes as I go. Mm-hmm. So usually we have about, uh, th- they have a meeting every week with Star Trek, IEW. CBS stuff. It's the Star Trek meeting once a week. So I usually turn stuff in the day before they have that meeting uh, just so that they have something to show and they can keep them up to date. And yeah, I'll get the notes back and I'll go through and I'll correct uh, either in pencils or, you know, just one of those things. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'll just do that when I'm inking it. I'll fix it there. And that usually goes well. And then uh, after I turn in all the inks, I usually have like uh sometimes not all the time but like another round of notes that are usually like quick little things and uh that turns the issue in it gets sent off to uh our colorist who is charlie kirchhoff who's fantastic uh charlie one of the best people that's ever colored me um does a great job and then it gets sent off to the letter uh and 
pretty much there. It's all in post-production. They put it together in PDF and get it ready and sent to the printers. And uh, about six weeks later, the, to two months, three months, uh, probably longer than that, comes a comic book, physical comic book in your hands. So when you talk about penciling and inking, is that legacy technology? Are you doing it all on a computer or are you actually using a pencil and then, and then a pen? I am really using pencils and pen, ink, brush, whatever I can to make a black or white line. Uh, so I tend to pencil on like scrap pieces of paper mm -hmm. and then I'll uh, scan it and then I'll blow it up to uh, 11 by 17 size and then I'll uh, print it out in blue line, which is about 35, 40% cyan, uh, which is basically the same type of blue that's in like ruled line notebook paper mm -hmm. and then I'll, i print all the pencils out in that color and uh ink over the top of them and then that blue becomes really easy it's called non-repo blue it's really easy to just level out in photoshop take out so it just doesn't exist anymore then you just get the ink lines so it's the static version of green screen green kind of yeah yeah, it's, it's very similar cool. process, yeah. Um, so Star Trek Universe started out on film, mm -hmm. but comics are a static medium. Does that make a difference? Does that translation right. affect how you depict the visuals? Yeah, it can. It, can. Uh, it tends to, um, I guess it depends on what I'm trying to do, uh, what story I'm trying to tell. So, um, you know, whenever we get fast action, I, you know, it's like, it, it is all static drawing. That is always a problem. Uh, like it's static images and it's hard to convey emotion, but that's the challenge with storytelling. You've got to be able to make things feel kinetic and dynamic. So I, I try to do that and make my drawings as fluid as possible. Uh, whenever it comes to a scene where we need uh, like fast paced, fast moving stuff, uh, especially with star trip, the starships, uh, like whenever they're traveling or going warp speed, uh, I'll try to give them some sort of energy trail, whether it be, you know, the lights on the ship are kind of creating a trail, whether it's like the actual ship itself, I'll kind of draw a little wavery line. So it makes it feel like it's in movement, stuff like that. So that's always uh, a challenge and depends on what's in front of me, what I got to draw. Were you a Star Trek fan before you started drawing the comics? Uh, I was not, actually. I was uh, not, 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 not a fan, but I was kind of peripherally a fan. Like, I'd, I'd watch it if it were on. Um, and then, you know, uh, but when it came time to start drawing the stuff, uh, Scott and David started a private Facebook group with me and chat with me and they were asking me like how much knowledge Star Trek knowledge I had and I was honestly like if I'm being honest on a scale of one to ten it might be a two and that's because I knew everybody's names <laughs> but uh you know once once I started to become up for the gig I started doing my research I started watching all of Next Gen which was on Netflix at the time I think it might still be but um yeah I started uh watching the series and then it it hooked me and now, now, now they've got me. Now I'm a fan. So, uh, <laughs> now they've got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working my way through DS9 still, but you know, I'm still, I still mm -hmm. like it. Um, 
I'm into it. When you work into a canon that's existing with existing visuals, how do you do that research? Uh, it's it's literally it's kind of funny, like because uh, um, the way it would work sometimes is I would be uh, drawing something, and then something would come up and be like, "Oh, I need reference for that. I better look that up." And sometimes I would just look up on my screen, and there it was. Like it's like, "Oh, I got to draw uh, Picard's ready room from this angle." Um, kind of look that up. It's hard to find that sort of reference, and then just there's Picard in his ready room from that angle that I need. I'm like, oh, great. So I just stop it, screenshot it, and save it. So my, my computer's full of screenshots from uh, DS9 and Next Gen and a variety of other stuff, just like angles that are that work for me. Oh, and also Scott and David would also provide reference for me sometimes. Like if it was stuff like I didn't know or just like real obscure stuff, like they had like a uh, docking station and one of the issues that was was like only seen in like the original series, like in one episode, they wanted to throw it in as kind of like an Easter egg. So like they threw that in there for me. Uh, they gave me that reference and that was easy enough to draw from. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. They would, they would uh, make sure I had everything I needed. It's always a process of getting some picture yeah whether it's words or images from one person's head to another person's head yeah. so when they're very specific yeah. and it should look like this that probably makes it easier oh, incredibly easy. yeah yeah and it's and it's nice with star trek because like a lot of that stuff is already there that way i can just work i mean like all a lot of this has been established so i can you know uh i don't have to I guess use my imagination too much. I don't have to do that much hard work because a lot of this stuff already exists. And that's uh, the benefit and sort of the challenge of Star Trek, especially when you're dealing with the licensors at CBS where they like, this has to look like this thing. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, especially if you started out with your own vision where you're drawing the picture that's in your own head right. versus, and, and Star Trek is by no means the only established canon you've worked in, right? You've done Ghost in the Shell mm -hmm. and Heavy Metal and some of these others. So how does that process change if it's you're working from the picture in your head versus you're working from someone else's story? Right. Well, with Heavy Metal, the story we did was very uh, much uh, mine and the writer for that story, Andy Eschenbaugh, uh, we, we got to come up with it. It was a short little story, so it didn't really exist in sort of the, the main, like what, what everybody knows is heavy metal from the movie. Like it was just like its own self-contained short story. And Ghost in the Shell uh, was interesting enough because it, set, it did take place in that same world, but uh, it was in a different part of that world. So like, I think our story took place in like, New Mexico or Arizona or something like that. Something very dry and deserty because like it, it didn't look like that futuristic ghost in the shell world. Uh, it looked very modern down to earth sort of thing. So like, but at the same time, yeah, like playing in it's uh, being able to do something out of my own head. It makes things a lot easier. Um, I, I wouldn't even say easier. I think it makes it, I feel like I'm doing more authentic drawing because I'm creating it. Uh, whereas with Star Trek, it's like, well, may, okay, I do have to make it look like this thing. And sometimes it's got to be precise and exact. Not all the time, but for the most part, it's, it's, I'm not stretching those muscles as much, I guess. 
um, if that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You've worked in a bunch of different universes. Which one's your favorite? Currently having a lot of fun playing with Ninja Turtles. Um, right, that was something I was very fond of as a kid. So I've, I've gotten to do some covers for them lately, a uh, handful of them. So doing that has been a blast. So Nin Ninja Turtles is a lot of fun. And uh, I guess also Dead Legends as well, which is my creation with my friend James. Uh, we had Francois Chow as a guest several years ago, and he's the shredder yeah. shredder in the yeah. in the com in the animated series. So we had some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He's the voice of Shredder, oh, okay, I guess. Nice. Yeah, um, that's apropos of nothing. Yeah. But <laughs> the, so let's see. Look at my questions. I've gone off book now to figure out what I haven't asked yet. When you were starting out as an artist, who were your influences? Uh, I was a big, I mean, Joe Kubert guy, for sure. Um, I mean, like in his sons, Adam and Andy, who I got to learn with Adam and Joe, um, which was great. Uh, both were big influences of mine. Um, I like Sean Phillips, Howard Porter, John Paul Leon, uh, Steve McNiven. Uh, George Perez, Jerry Ordway, Dick Giordano, um, Kevin McGuire, uh, man, Alex Ross is a big one. Um, I could probably do this for a while. I'll keep it there. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll <laughs> so, keep it right there. Yeah. What is it about those styles? If it, say I know nothing about comic books, I mean, if theoretically, I, um, so what is it about the styles that that drew you in? And it's interesting because like the guys I listed are all very different, and unique in their own way. But like I think they just have a different style. Like, uh, like, like every, everyone kind of seems to like that I listed tends to draw sort of from realism. Um, I'd say probably the furthest from it would be like Howard Porter from back in the day. Like he probably was a little bit of a product of uh, that extreme nineties uh, era, but like, it was kind of like coming back around to like uh, more realism. He was, I guess the more realistic uh, of the nineties extreme version of people. Um, but then like, there's a lot of different things I appreciate about a lot of people. Uh, it's like their storytelling, their figure work, their use of light and dark, um, and, and form sometimes the way they, they would approach drawings and, uh, using shape, uh, as a way to make a more interesting page instead of just like, it's drawn really well. It's like, Oh, look how like these dynamic, like black shapes like kind of lead the story the way you want it to go so like that's the sort of thing that I pay attention to how would you describe your own style Ooh, I'm still trying to figure that out uh, <laughs> I, I tend I tend to be more on the lean more towards uh, drawing form I guess and um, I, I tend to like I'm, I'm I've been described as having a very old school style and that might be because like i'm a, i i draw on paper and pencil still um you know but um uh 
yeah, I like warm, but I also like my inks a little dirty. I like a lot of texture. Um, uh, it's it's a mix of like a clean line and a lot of dirty textures, I guess. Can you tell when you look at someone else's comic book if they were drawing on paper or if they were working from a computer the whole way through? For the most part. Uh, there's been a good, like, I, th- I think with technology lately, like I was actually looking at someone's page on Twitter today. Uh, they had posted a new page and I could have, you know, if I, if he hadn't said in his post, I could have sworn it was drawn by hand because of the, the, the way some of his brush strokes were. And I guess, you know, like sometimes there are br- Photoshop brushes or procreate brushes that can mimic uh, hand-drawn stuff. Uh, for the most part, I can tell when something's hand-drawn. Um, but like, I do love when there's like a nice balance of not being able to tell what was done by what. Um, so and that, that that's always like a cool thing. I think like Fiona Staples Saga does a really good job of that. Uh, she's able to like blend the two in a nice way. I saw something you said on social media recently uh-huh. that sometimes you wonder if the you from 15 years ago would like your current art and and yeah. and, and, and about the existential crisis <laughs> that creates. So how is your art different than it was 15 years ago? Well, I, the, <laughs> it's definitely much better. Um, but I, I think I'm talking about 15 years ago fan Gavin like that would go into a comic shop and buy uh, comics. Like, I wonder if that Gavin would buy my comic. Um, I mean, I'm sure if 22 year old Gavin came up to my table at a convention, he would be impressed with what I got. But like, I wonder if he would actually pick up my book. That, so that was kind of where I was going with that tweet. Um, but it's, it's much better. Like I have a much better understanding of everything that goes into this business as far as storytelling and, uh, drawing in general and form and anatomy and, uh, putting together a page in a timely fashion. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> the, the professionalism, yeah, that, right. Yeah. And, and I like the, this, this interesting thought experiment of would your you know 15 years ago fan self pick up the book you, right. you say he would be definitely be impressed by the technique but would he pick up the book i would what i don't know if he would um, pick up a star trek book but <laughs> but uh i wonder if you would like what he saw but yeah so what are some of the things that have shifted in your perception of comics between the, the you that was a fan 15 years ago and the you that works in this as, as a profession today? I think a, a lot of the things I just said, like I, I, I appreciate storytelling more and appreciate, I think, better drawing, better artists. And uh, I think I'm more of a fan of story in general. So like when I, when I was a fan, I think I was primarily only reading I'd say like 22 year old guy was probably only reading just DC books. And now like, I don't, I can't think of a single DC book I pick up now. Like I, I pick up a lot of uh, stuff my friends make, honestly. Um, sure. And, sure. Uh, but, or I'm just like, you know, I'll see something interesting and I'll pick it up. And it's usually an indie series, mostly like dark horse or image or uh, an IDW book or 
Vault is another great company that's putting out some really good books right right now. Uh, Away Blue World, um, who I've done some work for to Dead Legends with. Uh, you know, it's it's like I'm picking up things that seem more interesting to me uh, rather than like I need to be reading this to know every single little thing that's going on in every DC book and <laughs> keep up with that continuity. Um, so, but yeah, like I, I think I appreciate, uh, you know, art and storytelling more. And the, 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 the inside baseball sort of things is what I like. Yeah. Comic book artist is one of those like things kids want to grow up to be right so what's different between the the glamorized version of i want to grow up and draw comics all day versus the reality of the business <laughs> i think it's uh i mean i think it's <laughs> the workload <laughs> like having to, <laughs> having to learn how to draw everything and do everything um and put it all together it's a lot of work and it's it's uh and it can be stressful um and sometimes you have dry spells so like it sounds really sexy on that this is something i told my wife when we first started dating and i was like listen my job sounds really sexy on paper it sounds like i have the coolest job in the room until like i have to go home and do my job and like there was a point where we first started dating where I was like, hey, uh, you know, there might be a time where I get caught on a pretty big deadline and I have to disappear for a little bit. And it's not, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> you know, like it's, and uh, mm-hmm. it happened really quickly in our relationship where uh, I was working on an issue of accelerators and the book was very, I didn't know the deadline. And then I found out the deadline and I had like about a week <laughs> to draw about 28 pages and i i was i basically told the publisher i was like it's not going to get done there's no way but like if you give me an extra week maybe i can do it so i went home and i did 28 pages and two covers in two weeks and i didn't see uh my brand new girlfriend who would become my wife luckily after that i didn't see her for like two weeks uh and then I I had to jump right into the next issue because that extra week I bought from them bled over into my next deadline. So then I only had like three and a half weeks to do the issue after that. Um, So I basically just like went, took about a week to like take it easy. And I was only drawing a page and a half a day, which is still a lot. Um, And uh then like after that week i had to go and do that other whole issue and i had to do about 24 pages in two weeks and uh that was not fun time in my life and i don't ever want to be in that situation again um but yeah uh that that's the not fun part of it i mean the cool thing is like i this is my job i work from home i have my own desk i get to see my dog all day my wife is just around the corner um and that's great i don't have to go somewhere i don't have to dress up for work um unless i go to a convention but it, it, like it's 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 not as bad as like i i'd, I'd want to do this more than anything in the world so you go to a lot of conventions what do you like about conventions uh i mean i, I think it's 
it's great. It's like great place to meet new fans, uh, interact with people and kind of, you know, because this also is to kind of steer back to the last question. It also can be a pretty isolating business because you work at home. So it's nice to see people who are reading your work and enjoying it. And, you know, because I just create this stuff in a void, it's really nice to see, uh, especially after entering a fandom like Star Trek, which is huge, um, having them welcome and accept the uh, my contribution to it is then very rewarding and pro- and really I guess the nice sense of like you know it's not all for nothing you know like it's it's you know because I've, I've mostly been working in indies and every once in a while get to play in some of these more established. Uh, communities but um yeah once once the star trek stuff started coming out like i I really noticed uh a lot of positive feedback from people especially when i went to attend uh star trek uh mission chicago uh that was definitely like some of the more condensed uh the places i saw more condensed uh, reaction to the book and it was all you know it's all been great everyone's had nice things to say about the book. Good, good. So what are you working on next? Uh, currently, I'm doing a Star Trek-esque story for this uh, company called Magnetic Press. Um, and they're doing this series called The Black Box Chronicles. Uh, I believe that's right. I hope I, hope I got that right. Um, but it's it's very DS9 meets uh like snowpiercer type of story so it's a okay. it's a short story mm-hmm. i'm only doing about nine ten pages of it and then um after that i'll probably be doing some more dead legends uh we're we're, we're going to be working on our last volume of that um and that's kind of slowly being chopped at uh very slowly being chopped at because other stuff is coming in um that um you know, every, everybody I'm working with on Dead Legends kind of knows, like, once I got Star Trek, this was going to happen. And it's, like, I, it's been a nice, steady stream of stuff. And, like, I'm anticipating more Trek work in the future um, and some other stuff that's coming around the bin. I've got another thing lined up. Uh, I'm waiting. I can't talk about it yet, but I'm just waiting on them to say go for that. So, yeah, more stuff's coming. Yeah. yeah. So where can people find your work online? Uh, that's easy. So uh, I have a website, Gavin Smith Comics, that I haven't updated in almost two years. <laughs> but uh, I usually I'm, I'm posting on Twitter and Instagram. Those are the probably the easiest places to find me. Yeah, I, I, I noticed your website wasn't super up to date, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> luckily you're active la- on Twitter, I so the, I found some good questions. Yeah, I think the last thing I did I posted about <laughs> was like I did a Inktober uh in 2020 and i think that was the last update and that so it definitely doesn't mention star trek it doesn't mention any of my turtles covers doesn't mention dead legends too which it should but uh i should probably update that at some point it's just a lot to update yeah and and websites are hard to keep up with yeah yeah and, and mine is pretty bare bones anyway it's it's a like a blog that i can update so i should, it shouldn't be that hard but oh well <laughs> <laughs> well, I am excited that you're coming to Starbase Indy yes. for your first time. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. 
And I, I actually know some people who are very excited about getting commissions from you. So Oh, lovely. That's that makes it all better. Too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Plus, it's great. just going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Three days. Yes. So thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the show. I'll see you all at Starbase Indy. Thanks for listening to the Starbase Indie podcast. To find more information about our live event this November, check us out at starbaseindie.org or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. See you on the Starbase.